Awesome, you guys. I'm going to lower the stand because I'm not as tall as Dr. A. And uh, But man, how many of you excited to be here today? Anybody excited to be in uh, the presence of God? I was thinking about this, and I always like to, to start with this. Dr. A, I just want to honor you in front of the students, in front of the, the faculty and staff, and I just want to say thank you. Um, several years ago, I started meeting with you in a counseling um, situation, and I got to tell you this, anybody who is wanting to be in ministry, wanting to be a pastor, uh, people talk about this all the time, it is not a sign of weakness to be in counseling, I believe it's a sign of strength. Uh, nobody would get on to you for taking your car to get an oil change, so why do we get on to people for going and getting checkups when it comes to counseling? And uh, I can say this, you set some things right in my brain that had been wrong for a long time. Seriously, you gave words, you took the teeth out of the enemy, and I just want to say thank you so much uh, for what you did for me. I'm 37 now, but for about 30 years I was walking with some stuff that I shouldn't have been walking with and some wrong thinking, and so you helped me rewire some neuropathways. Come on, somebody, in Jesus' name, you helped me do that. So I'm thankful for you. And, uh, and I just, I need you students, I need all of you to understand the world-class leader that you have in front of you every single day that you're around Dr. A on this campus is, uh, this is a man um, who I believe would have been celebrating retirement on Wrightsville Beach in North Carolina if God would not have brought him to Elam. I'm, I feel the presence of God, come on, I feel, but I, I know he is here on purpose and for a purpose and with a purpose, and that's with you in mind, that he goes to sleep with you in mind, that he wakes up with you in mind, that he is laboring every single day, and Debbie can attest to that, every single day that he is giving his life to this place. Um, I want to honor my wife. She's not with me today, but we just celebrated 15 years in July, and um, it was awesome. I, I, uh, we, we have a, a little guy, Jace, as, as Dr. A has already said, and uh, he's amazing. He's seven years old. He keeps us on our toes. I tell a lot of stories about him, and uh, I love the church that I'm able to pastor, and, and he, he said that about student ministry. Let me just say this about, like, student pastors, youth pastors. Um, listen, I never got into youth ministry as a stepping stone to be a real pastor. Come on, how many of you know that 80% of people that put their faith in Christ do so before the age of 18? I remember when I was a youth pastor, people would say, when are you going to be a real pastor? And I would say, hey, by statistics, I think I am a real pastor. I'm not sure what the lead pastor's doing, but I'm, I'm, I'm really doing it up. And, uh, but man, I just want to say this, don't ever let what you're doing be a stepping stone for what's next. Be faithful in what God has called you to in the right here and the right now, and I'm telling you, he will bless your mind. The last thing I want to say this before I jump into the message is, is that often you guys are privileged with having some amazing people stand in front of you. I know that next week Pastor Drew Frieder is going to be here. Pastor Sammy Foster has been here. And I got to tell you that these are some of the premier voices in the church world. And so when Dr. A is bringing these gentlemen in, I want to encourage you and ladies in to, to preach to you and speak to you and inspire you. I want to encourage you to get your notepads out. Take notes because I'm telling you, you have to prepare. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Draw, draw in real quick. You have to prepare for the battle that you're not yet in. And you have no clue what's around the curve of your life, and I'm not saying that in a doom and gloom way, but come on, we know that all of life is ups and downs, it's hills and valleys and everywhere in between, and so when we're on the mountaintop, come on, let's take notes on the mountaintop so that we're in the valley, we've got something to hold on to. Anybody with me today? Are we, are we together? I, 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 I want to make sure that you're leaning into this because usually when I come, the two previous times we've laughed a lot, and today I'm not, I don't know if the message that God has given me that we're going to laugh a whole lot, so we'll save our laughter for lunchtime. And we're just going to dive right into this because I believe that God has sent
sent me on assignment. I had two messages that I was praying through, both of which I had shared with our staff. We have 22 people on staff, and then we have 20-some other apprentices and residents, which are uh, in some way, shape, or form a part of our church. So I I shared what I'm going to share with you. There was two messages that I had shared with them because I was thinking to myself, if every single person that's a part of Elam is preparing for some sort of ministry, whether it be marketplace ministry or whether it be full-time vocational church ministry, that that, that these are the people. I want to get you on the inside of what I'm talking with our team through so that you're prepared that when you step into ministry. And, uh, man, one of the things that I love so much about where I get to pastor is uh, we have so many people that are part of the United States Air Force. Come on, anybody grateful for our armed forces? I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for the men and women. I'm grateful for the men and women of America that have protected our freedom, that we're able to gather here today because of people in the armed forces that have protected our freedoms. And and a few months ago, um, a guy who I respect a ton, who is in the Air Force, he sent me this text. I'm going to read you this text in just a second. And I knew in my spirit that after talking with, with Dr. A and after preparing for this moment, that this message was for you. Now, it's not for the person beside of you, and it is for them, but, but it's not for just for the person behind you, and it is for them, and it's not just for the person in front of you. No, today I want you to hear the message that I'm going to bring to you. I didn't fly, uh, I didn't drive from Dover, Delaware to Baltimore, Maryland to fly to where it was snowing last night. I've never seen snow in November. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. Right? I've never, so I didn't come to this place to play games. I came to prepare you for the battle that you're not yet in, Okay. And actually, you may be more in the battle than you even realize. But let me read this text to you because this will put into perspective where I'm going, Doctor, I love this. I'm like from left to right. I preach to every, like I, I'm like, put somebody behind me too. I just love preaching to the whole room. But here's the text. Check it out. It says this. He said, as I was driving through the gate at work the other day, he was driving into the base. He said, I was reminded of the importance of not allowing complacency, keyword, to slip in. I noticed the guards had their weapons, they had their helmets and Kevlar vests, spare clips full of ammo in the front, radios, all of their equipment was on and ready, but there was a problem. As I pulled to the guard shack, the sentry that was checking IDs had his hands inside his Kevlar vest up near his chest. Imagine a Kevlar vest and he's got his hands tucked in behind there. And then I looked inside the guard shelter and noticed that his team member was sitting slouched in a chair, preoccupied with his phone. And then it hit me. Had I been an enemy, I would have successfully overcome them both and quickly have gained access to everything they were to be protecting. The guards had lost focus of their purpose. Let me say that again. The guards had lost focus of their purpose. They had been lulled into routine of working and checking IDs and working and checking IDs and working and checking IDs, and they forgot they are called to be the first line of defense against those seeking to do us harm. And he ended the text with message with me like this. He said, never grow complacent. There are no days off. Never grow complacent. There are no days 
off. I, I don't have any notes for you on the screen, so I wanted to, just to encourage you to write down whatever the Spirit of the Lord puts on your heart as I'm preaching this message. I was, again, telling you I was wrestling between two messages, and it wasn't until last night that this is the one that really was brought full into clarity of what I was going to be teaching on. But it was in the midst of me preparing for this moment, in the midst of me preparing for that staff retreat with our staff, and I was thinking about teaching on winning the war in the spiritual. And it was in the moment that I read that text that I almost couldn't control myself because it pertained so much to them as my staff, but also to you who are preparing for ministry. I was blown away, and it was as if this experience gave me words for our experience as we're stepping into ministry. So back to the story. What I realized, check it out, is that whoever trained these security forces, now let me just say this. These security forces, I've, I'm friends with some of them. Some of them are called Ravens in the Air Force, the Special Forces. And these are some bad men and women. Like, they will break you down in a hot second. Come on, somebody. They, like, you try to cross them. But, they, but somewhere in this moment, they, have, they, they had missed, and it must not have been instilled in them, the overwhelming gravity of what could happen if the enemy gained access to the Dover Air Force Base. That whoever was leading these security forces did not keep it top of mind how devastating it would be if the unthinkable happened. And maybe they did. Maybe they did have all the training. But maybe they forgot. Maybe it had been instilled in them at one point, and I have no doubt because we have the greatest armed forces in all the world. That at some point it was told to them what could happen. But I started to think about this because I'm not military. I've never served in the military. Grateful for those who, who are and who, those who have. But I, I figured I would infer what could happen. And I want to just infer for a second because just go with me on this journey. Because if the wrong person would have gained access to the Dover Air Force Base. Come on, there are C-5s on this. If you've never seen a C-5, it is like a flying football field. It is the size of a football field. And when it's coming down to land, it looks like it should just fall out of the sky. Anybody ever seen a C-5? It looks like a, it's the biggest airplane like ever. It, 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 but here's what could have happened. That, that, that if, if they would have gotten access to the base, it would have been discouraging to the entire base and possibly even the entire branch and the country. That they could slow the momentum by causing distraction if the wrong person gained access. That they could cause the people around them to take their eye off the ball or even discredit the most powerful military force of all the lands. Discourage, distract, and discredit. All from what could seem so pedestrian, just just checking IDs at the gate. I don't know about y'all, but that, that, that to me doesn't seem like the most inspiring job, checking IDs at the gate. And here's how this pertains to all of us and myself included. That if we're not careful, that the enemy will use things that seem so pedestrian in our lives to discourage, to distract, and to discredit the work of God in people's lives and in the lives of our churches. Oh, Pastor Kenneth, that's for the people that are in ministry. Like, you're, you were talking to your team. They're in ministry. They could really discourage and distract and discredit the work of God. Can I tell you, listen to me, listen to me, students, that ministry doesn't begin when you walk across the stage with a degree. You are in ministry now. Like, this 
is the moment. And I can tell by some of you the way that you're looking at me. You're like, I've never heard anybody preach to me like this. Y'all, I, I get like jacked up on Mountain Dew before I come up here. And it's like the spirit of God just wells up inside of me. And I, my, I feel like one of my things that I love so much, I come from an athletic background, is I just want to help you move. I want to help you go. I want to help you see that this is a moment in time, a snapshot in history that you will never get back. This may be a, never, this may be a word that you've heard before. This may be a Bible verses that you've read, that we've read, you've heard read over you, but you will never get this moment back where you will begin to prepare, prepare, prepare for what God is calling you to do. Ephesians chapter 6, if you got your Bible, I want to read some verses to you. You've heard, you've heard these before, but I want to encourage you to lean in. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, it says this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. We've all heard this. We all grew up in Bible school. We all grew up in VBS. But lean into this. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Pastor Kenneth, why are you so passionate about this? Because I am sick and tired of seeing pastors and ministers and people that are laboring in the church discredit, discourage, and, dis and take out people around them because they are not realizing the battle that they are in. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Can I just give you a reminder today that you have a real enemy and he wants nothing more than to kill, steal, and destroy everything that you call good in your life. That he wants to steal everything that's good from you. That he wants your life to be the very thing that discourages, distracts, and discredits the work of God in people's lives and the lives of our church. So how can we not allow that to happen? I want to give you a few things of how we can not allow that to happen. The first one is this, is we have to crush complacency. We have to crush complacency. The definition of the word complacency is this, is a feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of, so, of some potential danger, defect, or the like. Can I tell you, listen, can I, listen, I wanna, I'm going to say this, because I, I went to a Bible college and, and down in South Carolina, and I believe that Bible colleges are some of the greatest places to grow in your faith, but it's also what can lie dormant if you're not careful is complacency. And for all of us that we get around and we get in chapel and we come to these places and complacency can set in, and this is exactly where the security forces were that day. They were unaware of the potential danger or at least they had become complacent to it. 
And I feel like that all of us as followers of Jesus, we need to re-up the commitment to being aware that we are in a spiritual battle. Like, can I just tell you that what we have faced, that what we are facing as a church, and I'm not talking about like just in my church, but a church as the whole. If you've seen any news articles of pastors that have fallen and ministry leaders, that, and by the grace of God, there go I. I'm not casting any stones at anybody who has fallen, but I believe that if we haven't seen what has been happening around us, if we have missed this and we don't believe that there is a real enemy who is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, come on, I believe that we have another thing coming for us. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to warn you. Listen, you have a target on your back. The enemy wants nothing more than to discourage, distract, and discredit. And you're like, Pastor Kenneth, this is intense. Can I tell you, as intense as I am today, the enemy is 10x more intense over your soul. And you have to fight for more for your soul than enemy is fighting for your soul. And you have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stand. Ephesians 6 says, stand. 1 Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to crush complacency. The second thing that I realized as I was reading this text is you have to forbid familiarity. So it's very close, crush complacency, but forbid familiarity. Familiarity, the definition is this, is a close acquaintance with or knowledge of something. That these security forces had forgotten, they had gotten familiar, excuse me, with having their weapons close, but they weren't in a position to use them. Their weapons were on their side, Ed said. Their extra rounds were on their side, but they weren't in a position to use them. They, they said their hands were behind their vest, and one was on their phone. Can I tell you that you and I, that you and I have access to the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. It's near you, but can I ask you, are you using it? I, 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 I said this to our staff, and, and, but I believe this is true, that I can't guarantee this. But I would almost bet that the amount of sin that you allow into your life is a direct seesaw effect of how much of the word of God that you're dwelling on. Listen, as a 37-year-old on this side, I don't have it all figured out. I've, I've been leading my church for eight years. I can tell you this. I've never seen a man in an active affair who is actively having a quiet time with God every single day. I've never seen a pastor derail his church who is spending intimate moments with God. I've never seen a woman that, that has decided to leave her family and to go off with another man with somebody who is actively burying their face into the word of God and saying, God, would you search me? God, would you know me? God, would you try every part of me? God, would you go to the recesses of my being and see who I am? Can I beg you as a 37-year-old who is 20 years removed or 15 years removed from the seat that you're sitting in to fall in love with the word of God? Fall in love with the word of God. It'll change your life. It'll change all those other sin issues will take care of itself when you begin to fall in love with the word of God. This isn't preaching. This is passion because I want this so bad for you. And when I wake up in the morning, I get into my, my, my little office when I'm at my house and I get my Bible. And this, is my, this is my travel Bible. I love this Bible. And my friend named Eric gave me this Bible to commemorate eight years as a church, and, and uh, I, it's a really special Bible to me, but 
But I get, I get into my office at my house, and it doesn't matter where. You've got to pick a space and pick a place. And I get into my office, and I, and I got a, it's a nice leather-bound Bible. My one at home is, too, and I just, just smell my leather. This may be weird to some of you, but it won't be weird when you fall in love with the Word of God. And I take my Bible, and I hold it like this. I kiss my Bible, and then I hold it up above my head, and I say this, God, I'm coming under, coming under authority of everything that you have for me. The answer is already yes. Whatever you speak to me today, the answer is already yes. Then I bring my Bible down, and I open it up to wherever I'm leading, reading. And what, what I typically read, and what, Pastor Kenneth, what do you read? I read what we call in our church, we call it the lamp and light reading plan. It's from Psalm 119 that God's word is a lamp into our feet, it's a light into our path. It's one chapter from the New Testament, it's one chapter from the Old Testament, five days a week. Wait, you don't read seven out of seven? Listen, I can tell you, I, I want to be as real with you as I would hope you would be with me, is that five out of seven, when you have a seven-year-old and when you've got life going on, five out of seven is what I'm striving for, folks. The other, the other days of the week, you know what I do? I, have my, I, have my, I don't have my phone on me, but I have the verse of the day, and I will slip, swipe it over when I'm not able to. The first thing I do, actually every day, is I will swipe it over. I'll read the verse of the day, and I'll just dwell on that throughout the day. You're like, man, if that disqualifies me from preaching here because I don't read seven out of seven, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But I, I just want you to fall in love with the Word of God. Like, please, please, please. Please don't go into full-time ministry. Don't go into vocational ministry if you are not in love with the word of God. Like, hear the groaning. Like, seriously, hear my heart in this. Fall in love with the word. People tell me, Pastor Ken, the Bible's boring. No, you're boring. The Bible's not boring. You're, you're reading the wrong parts. I'm telling you, listen, fall in love, you're, you're staying on this a long time, Pastor Kenneth, because it is the one thing that will change everything. It is the one thing. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's by knowing the word of God. It's, it's so important. And we've just got people, we've got denominations, and we've got arms of the church that are just picking out pieces. And you might as well just be opening the Bible and ripping pages out. I believe this. I believe that. Who, who crowned us king? Come on, I believe this thing from Genesis to Revelation, every jot and tittle. I believe it all. Every single piece of it. And God, I come under authority. I come under authority. Our church is, our church is, so, our church is so cool, you could say. I don't know what you could say. That's what Dr. A said. It's so cool. When people, people think that because we're cool, we just sign off on everything that's going on with, with culture. It's just kind of like shoving that. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, you don't understand. Like, we can have lights and haze, and you can have cool things. And, like, you can have, come on, like, the, the bass will rock your chest. You walk in our church, right? But, but we believe in the word of God, every single part of it. Is this resonating with anybody today? Study the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Consume the Word of God. I, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for the Word of God. But it's not just familiar with the Word of God. And let, me, let me get a little bit deeper. It's, it's, it's familiarity with the house of God. That, that you and I literally working or attending a Christian college, we are literally, like we sleep in the house of God almost. 
Like your, your dorms are in, the, it's the house of God. Everything's the house of God. It's anointed. This place is anointed. You can, you can sense it when you walk on the campus. You can feel it. That's why many of you are here because you felt the hand of God when you walked on this campus. From the moment that you walked on this campus, you sensed it. That you and I, we work so closely. But, but, but can I tell you, are you really present when it comes to chapel time? Are you just physically here or are you here in your spirit? Has it become so familiar? Has it, because don't confuse proximity to the church with intimacy with God. I see too many pastors that they, they can get a good sermon. They can preach a good message. They can, they can because how many of you know that, that, that um, oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher this, but the, the gifting, the anointing goes beyond repentance. I believe, I, I can't, you can look that up and Google that. But, but you can do all of those things, even not living for God. But I'm telling you, there's something, there's something that begins to become telling. People can sense sincerity when you've traded proximity to the church with intimacy, for intimacy with God or back and forth. These experiences aren't just for the people that are leading worship. These experiences are for you. Like this worship, draw me close to you. We, we were singing this song, you're all I want, you're all I need. Jesus, sh- come on, show me, draw me close to you. We're singing these songs, these life-giving messages. They aren't just for other people, they're for you. These, what a gift that you and I get to be in these environments day after Day. Come on, the word of God is important. The house of God is important. The people of God are important. You can't get so comfortable working with and around allies that you can forget that there's a real enemy. And he wants nothing more than steal and kill and destroy. The, the third thing I noticed was this, is you have to annihilate apathy. We, we actually started this thing on the Christian college campus that I was in. This was a little bit aggressive, um, but I was tired of seeing it. I, I played uh, baseball when I was in college, and uh, we... We would we'd have athletes on campus, and, um, and we had ministry majors, and I would walk into the dining hall, and I would watch this happen. It would be like the athletes were sitting over here, and many of the athletes didn't know Jesus, and then the Christians were over here, the ministry students over here. And I'm thinking to myself, like, these ministry students are preparing and training to go and to seek and save that which is lost, but they're not even doing that right now. So why would they do that later if they're not going to do that right now? And so we started this thing on our campus. It was called the Kill Apathy Project. Like, we, we were just like, we're, we're going to find ways to kill apathy, to just, just annihilate it. And I think the nicest way to say kill uh, Elam today, because I didn't know if I had right to say, hey, kill apathy, but I, but I will say this, annihilate apathy. And apathy is a lack of interest or enthusiasm or concern. That these security forces, going back to the story, had completely forgot what they were there to do. They lost track of their purpose. That you and I, check it out, we have the greatest calling of all. That many of us are called to serve his church, to protect his church, to fight for his church, to reach people through his church. And scripture tells me that the church is the bride of Christ. This is not the side chick of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. This is not plan B, C, D, or E. This is plan A on reaching all of humanity. And when you slip into apathy, you can lose sight of your purpose. And when you lose sight of your purpose, you can forget the power of your calling. And when you forget the power of your calling, can I tell you, it's open season for you. Pastor Chris Hodges, my pastor, he said this. He said, you have to live with the reality that you have to stand before God 
Therefore, you have to do everything out of calling. Come on, shake loose of it. Shake loose of the apathy. Ask God to destroy it. Start a gratitude journal. Take a gratitude walk. Whatever it takes, you have to annihilate apathy. The last thing that I'm going to say today is this, is you got to leave the Lone Ranger approach. Leave the Lone Ranger approach. In this text that this gentleman sent me, I was reading this and I was thinking maybe the guy sitting in the seat on his phone is the greatest person ever. I'll never know. But what I know in that moment is that he was no backup at all. And I would ask you this today, is who do you have in your life that will fight for you even when you won't fight for yourself? Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Let me ask you, is there somebody in your life that you've pre-decided that you will listen to them, even when you don't want to hear what they have to say, because you are convinced that there can be, and dare I say will be, times in your life when you won't be able to trust your own thoughts? Over the last couple years, I've walked through several situations with staff people, and I've walked through several situations with staff people who, um, men and women who have been following Jesus for years, but somewhere along the line, they apathy slipped in. Apathy, familiarity, complacency slipped in. And I'm walking with these people. And these are people that called me pastor, Pastor Kenneth, Pastor Kenneth, I love you, pastor. You're my pastor. You're a spiritual father. I see you as a spiritual father. I didn't have a good father, but I'm calling you my spiritual father. And then the moment when they make a decision that is destructive to their life and I try to step in and pastor them, they said, no, no, they don't want to pastor. They want to talk back. They want to challenge me. And here's what I want to say to you, that I wish that I would have told them before they were in the situation that they were in is that there has to be somebody in your life that you will listen to when you don't want to listen to them. Does this make sense? That when you don't even understand what's going on in your brain or in your heart or in your spirit, I've already pre-decided that there are some men. Billy Reese is one of my best friends. He's my soul friend, I call him. That I will listen to him. That even when I don't want to hear what he has to say, that I'm going to trust that he knows what's better for me than I know what's better for myself. And there has to be somebody in your life that when you're saying, oh, I feel this or my emotions. How many of you, your emotions will betray you? I have a gentleman that, that, was, that was so close to me, and he's, he's now walking, and, and, and he's walking in the homosexual lifestyle. He was married, has a, has a child, and he's telling me, I, I feel like I, I just feel like I've, I have all these feelings. And I said, man, you know, I have all these feelings too. I have all these feelings. One of my, the easiest feeling that I have is anger. I don't, is anybody else like that for you? It's just easy for you to be angry. Nobody's going to raise their hand because you're too holy. I get it. I get it. But it's easy for me to, thank you so much, it's easy for me to feel anger. But I have to submit that to God. And the moment that I stepped in and I tried to be a pastor to him in that moment, he had not pre-decided that he was going to listen to me even when his feelings betrayed him. And I got to tell you, 
that there's so much on the line. There's so much at stake. And can I tell you, this may not be a message for today, but tuck this away for 10 years from now when you're married and you have a child. Tuck this away when you're 10 years from now when you're leading a ministry. Tuck this away for 10 years when you're, when you're on staff at a, at, a, at a Christian college and leading at the admissions. I don't know what you're doing, but, but tuck this away for some time that when your feelings betray you, that you have somebody in your life that you can say, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way or what I'm feeling or what, everything's swirling so much. Tell me what you see. And you know that they've been in the word of God and they've been with God and they've been in the presence of God. And what they're going to tell you is so much truer than anything that you're feeling in that time. But if you're just flying this thing by yourself, man, two are better than one. They've got a good return, got a good reward for their toil. My pastor also says this. He said that if you don't live by principle, you'll fall to pressure. That make up your mind ahead of time so that you don't have to make up your mind at the time. If there's somebody that can come up and play keys, I know I didn't give you the time when that would be, but now would be a perfect time because it gets way more spiritual when there's piano behind it. <laughs> come on, my man can play some piano. Can he not play some piano? Yeah. But I, I just, for, for a moment, I, I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes as I finish up today because I just want to talk to you. I just sense today, I sense this, this feeling of, of almost resistance a little bit. And maybe it is that familiarity, maybe it's that complacency, maybe it's that apathy. But I'm going to ask here in just a moment, I'm going to ask that Holy Spirit break all of it. You know, a lot of times I just feel like, just, just keep your head bowed and eyes closed. I want you to just hear me. A lot of times pastors talk about ministry in such a way. We talk about the fun, but we don't talk about the fight. We talk about the, 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 the life changing and the, we talk about all the, the, the marriages restored, but we don't talk about how ministry is brutal. It's brutal and it's beautiful at the same exact time. Come on, that you can walk out of one hospital room of somebody being born, and then you can walk to the next floor of the hospital and somebody's taking their last breath. It's brutal. But not even those things. We, we don't talk about what it's like to be in the fight, that this is not a battle against flesh and blood. That it is open season and we have targets on our back. And I'm not trying to scare us, but today I want us to be able to put a stake in the ground and say, no, no, I'm going to fight the battle. Because the enemy wants to distract us, wants to discourage us, and wants to discredit the work of the ministry. And on behalf of the leaders and pastors who haven't set you up for success, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry if, the, if we didn't warn you about the weight that you would encounter. I'm sorry if we made being in the Bible seem like it was a recommendation and not a prerequisite of being a follower of Jesus. 
I'm sorry if you feel like you were platformed before you were ready. I'm sorry if we didn't make it feel like it was a big enough deal for someone to be asking you soul-level questions. What are you wrestling through? What's, what's your struggle? What's your fight? I'm sorry if leaders like me showed you the product and talk about a church and a, but they didn't show you the ingredients. There's a piece of this that's on me and on leaders like me, but there's also a part that you can play. I believe it's, it's discipleship. I believe it's accountability. It's transparency. Things that you can set your heart on and say, hey, hey, no, no, no. I will not roll over. I will not be one of those people. By the grace of God, I will finish the race strong. Thanks be to God that there is grace and that people that fall, they can get up and brush their knees off and continue to walk. I'm thankful for the grace of God. But I, I beg God that there won't be a day where I have to get up and brush my knees off, that I can run into his arms and finish the race. can't tell my heart is broken I'm so broken would we step into ministry with resolve that we would not come hell or high water give in to the tactics of the enemy I plead the blood of Jesus over Elam right now. Today, I just wonder if anybody, anybody, one person, anybody, if today you want to put a stake in the ground, that you would find a place at this altar right here. And you would say, Holy Spirit, I'm asking. You say you're our advocate. You say you're our helper. You say you're our friend. Would you help me day by day by day to not be familiar, to not be complacent, to not be apathetic, to not do this thing by myself, to be transparent, to be a disciple, to fall in love with the word of God. Ask him right now and say, God, help me to fall in love with your word. Today, right where you are, just 
deal with your sin. There's a saying that I use all the time, smaller, sooner, or larger, later, deal with it now. Undoubtedly, there's addictions to pornography in this room right now. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would break them right now. Do not keep it to yourself. Find somebody that is trusted. Find somebody that you can ask. Find somebody that doesn't have the same struggle as you, and they can challenge you, and you can put boundaries in place. You can be determined. compromise in a relationship and today you need to put a stake in the ground and say I will not I will not go there again God I will honor you my story will be that maybe I made a mistake but God I made a commitment as well to say God from this day forward I will honor you been operating in a spirit of offense, that something offended you and you've been holding on to that and everything you see at Elam now is just rose-colored glasses, everything offense, 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 offense. It breaks today in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for the work that you have done today. God, I'm just so thankful that when you speak and when we hear and when we listen, when we respond, Father, you draw us deeper into your heart. somebody needs to hear me say this, that God's not mad at you, that he's mad about you. He's crazy about you. He's not frustrated or disappointed with you. He's calling you deeper into your, to his heart. 
So God, every student who's here, every faculty member, every person, myself, God, would you help us to deal with the complacency, the familiarity, the apathy in our life? Please, God, help us not to do this by ourselves. Father, help us do the hard work of finding somebody that we can trust and that we will listen to, that we will pre-decide. God, I have pre-decided. I will listen to Billy whenever, whatever. Help us to fall in love with your word, God. Help us to wake up thirsty for your word, hungry for your word, like a meal, like a fresh cup of coffee, God. Stir us, God. We love you. We're desperate for more of you. God, help us not to walk out of here fearful because, God, we are on the winning side. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Holy Spirit, you're fighting for us. Even when we're not fighting for ourselves. Pray that you would take and seal everything that's happened. It's happened in this moment, happened today. God, we're going to give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name.